Blog Talk Radio. Welcome aboard Flight 1969, service to Jet Nation Radio. Look at what a leader this guy is. Fultz is fighting for his job this year. This is what quarterbacks are made of. Doug Middleton re- get a 50-yard onside kick. How stupid can you possibly be making that much money? Folks, grab a snack. Let's go to eat a goddamn snack. And join Joe Blewett and Glenn Naughton for Jet Nation Radio. <laughs> Good evening, New York Jets fans. Hope everybody's doing well tonight. We have quite a few topics to cover. Some recent transactions in the land of gangrene. Of course, a little bit of draft talk. We'll have to touch on the quarterbacks. And let's face it, not a whole lot. You're not going to have a lot of new developments with these guys uh, unless something catastrophic or unforeseen goes down. The games are played. The, The pro days are done. For the most part, interviews, teams have met with the with the prospects that they're scouting, and in some cases they're not meeting with the prospects they like because you get teams that don't want to tip their hand. For example, Josh Allen was reportedly meeting with the Jets, and then it comes out today that they're not going to meet, but he worked out for them privately in Wyoming, so they did get a look at him. So we'll cover some quarterback talk. We're going to take a look at some edge rushers because let's face it, uh, once the Jets address the quarterback position at number three, the next biggest issues they're going to have to try to fix on that roster are going to be that edge rusher, and uh, they're going to have to add a couple of O-linemen. And the O-line is really a, it's a, an interesting conundrum, if you will, this upcoming season. We're going we're gonna to get into that a little bit because there are definitely some questions that need to be answered. There, there are guys in place who may stay where they are despite having played quite poorly last year. And, and maybe not being a great fit for this scheme that the Jets will be employing this season under Jeremy Bates. But, listen, you can't, you can't replace 40 guys in one offseason. This team needs a lot, of, a, lot of, uh, a lot of work. Not as much as some people think, but more than, more than most teams need. Update on Robbie Anderson. We'll cover that in a little bit. And, uh, and just a few random thoughts, a few things that – Listen, you know, if you're listening to this show, you're a diehard Jets fan. You're you're keeping up with the news just as much as, you know, any any Jets fan out there, whether it's through Twitter or Facebook, whatever time allows, people are keeping up with what's going on with this team. And just a few thoughts that that I have, you know, throughout the week that I'm trying to make note of, make mental notes or jot it down and and just kind of share some thoughts and if you guys want to call in, please feel free to do so. You can get us at 646 646- Seven one six four six nine seven. Go ahead and give us a call. Jump on the air and talk about whatever you like. So let's uh, let's cover a few random a, a few random items first. They just from throughout the week that that pile up. Uh, and and within this will be the 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 aforementioned recent additions. Just some players they've added this week. And that's where we'll start. Let's start with the transactions actually, because everybody likes transactions. Everybody likes new players, fresh blood, roster upgrades, whether it's at a starting position or a, a backup, you know, adding depth, because let's face it, you got to have depth in this league. And the Jets have made a few, uh, a few moves this week, a couple today, one yesterday, that um, some of them make sense and some of them 
if I'm being completely honest, make no sense at all. But the Jets are going to do what they're going to do, and uh, we all just hope, you know, whatever they do pans out. But let's start with Clive Walford. All right, Clive Walford. Who's Clive Walford? Free agent tight end, the Jets signed, well, claimed off of waivers, I should say. He wasn't assigned as a free agent. He was let go by John Gruden and the Oakland Raiders, who looks to be cleaning house, letting go of several veteran players, some guys that were making a little bit more money than Gruden felt they deserved, apparently, and uh, and some guys that were, you know, it, it looked at their, their draft slot, or sorry, their their salary was sort of in line with, with their production. But, uh, listen, some guys don't fit certain systems, and, Head coaches want to bring in their own guys. So Clive Walford's a guy, last year with the Raiders, didn't do a whole hell of a lot. He played in uh, played in 13 games. He didn't have any starts. He only had nine catches for 80 yards. But the two seasons prior to that, and th- this is what's interesting, is that the two seasons prior to that, his numbers were almost identical, or within a few yards of what the Jets got out of Austin Safarian Jenkins this season. Um, two years ago with the Raiders, he had 28 catches for 329 and three touchdowns, 11, 11.8, just under 12 yards a catch. And then in uh, year two, played another 15 games, eight of them were starts, 33 catches, 359, 10.9 a catch, three touchdowns. Now last year, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was a, a philosophical thing, if it was an injury thing, if, uh, if a lot of things were just going wrong for the Raiders and they weren't able to, to get him on track. But his numbers definitely dropped off. He had, uh, let me see, I pulled it up a second ago. Yeah, he just, last year he only had nine grabs for 80 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Basically invisible most of the season. No real explanation as to why. He did appear in 13 games, so it's not as if he was missing significant time with injuries. So he comes on board now. He's due due $1.9 million this year. $1.9 $1.9 million versus Austin Tafarian Jenkins, who was reportedly seeking $5 million. I think that's what he ended up getting, wasn't it, in Jacksonville. Jacksonville gave Austin Tafarian Jenkins $5 million a year. So you, you replace him with a guy who's going to make $1.9 million a year. And we just went over his stats. And this is how they actually were better than Austin Tafarian Jenkins in terms of yards per, per reception. Uh, that was one of the one of the knocks we had on ASJ this past season. Austin Safarian Jenkins this year averaged 7.1 yards a catch. He had 50 catches for 357 yards. 50 for, 50 for 357. And then you got Clive Walford, who put up 359 last year on 33 catches. Almost 11 yards a catch, as I said, each of those two years for Walford as well. Three touchdowns, which is exactly what we got out of Austin Safarian Jenkins last year. Uh, it may have had three drop touchdowns as well. But so what you've done, basically, you've swapped, you've swapped out one tight end for another. One guy's just as productive than, as the other, if not more so. And you got him at $1.9 million as opposed to $5 million. So this is, I mean, the Jets taking a hard line with Austin Safarian Jenkins. Not everybody was a fan of that. Some people were critical. They felt like he did enough to, to warrant a big payday. Some people were saying, give him $6 million. Give him what he's asking for. Uh, Mike McAgan said no. The Jets took a hard line. They made him, a, what I believe it was a two years, $8 million they offered him, so $4 million a year. And uh, there were some reports that they'd up their offer, but within a day of that, uh, a day or two, it was clear Safarian Jenkins wasn't coming back. So if there was a, a, an increase in the, in the contract offer, it clearly wasn't very much. 
just a gesture on the Jets' part. They were happy to let Safarian Jenkins go. Several reports that they were happy with what they saw from Jordan Leggett last year. And here's the thing with Leggett, you know, and it was it was the same issue that you have with Austin Safarian Jenkins, and it's an issue that hopefully can be fixed at the tight end position this year, starting with Walford. Now, Walford's not, you know, no one's saying that uh, Clive Walford's a, 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 an amazing blocker. But this, I watched a little bit, film, little bit of film on him yesterday. He's a willing blocker. He gets his hands dirty. He's pretty solid in the run game. I look at his PFF grades much better three years ago than they were each of the last two years. But even still, much better, or at least a significantly better in the blocking game than, than what you got from Austin Safarian Jenkins, than what you will get with Jordan Leggett. So th- th- there's another another issue that you've handled because now you have a guy who can be a three-down player. You don't have to pull him when it's time for a run play, or if you keep him on the field for a run play, he's not going to be a complete liability. gives you a little bit more flexibility on offense. And listen, if Clive Walford, if he, you know, if he pans out, if the Jets like what they've seen from him, and if their pro person, if their pro scouting department feels like he's the guy that can that can contribute significantly, that's one less position for the Jets to address in the draft. Because let's face it, they don't have a lot of picks. Now, of course, there's the possibility of a trade down and add some picks. I'm um, not from round one, of course, but uh, that round three, that round three pick, if they move down a few slots and add one or two picks, that wouldn't surprise me at all. But even still, this team needs to go into the draft with as few holes to fill as possible. And by adding Walford, and, and here's the thing, there has been close to zero news. I, I can't, I don't want to say none in case I missed a blurb, but I haven't heard a word since the day free agency started about the Jets talking to any tight ends. And fans have been calling for it. Why aren't we upgrading tight end? Why aren't we upgrading tight end? I think they're happy with their group. I think they like what they have. I think they like Neil Sterling and Jordan Leggett and Eric Tomlinson. And, Walford's just a guy that they weren't expecting to come free. He wasn't a free agent, so there was no pursuing him there. And then he gets placed on waivers, and the Jets look at it and go, "Listen, this is a guy that can be, uh, this is a guy that can make some noise, you know, or at, at least be a contributor." And uh, hopefully, hang on one second. Just, uh, just got a buzz from somebody. Okay, this is the Patriots. Somebody told me the Patriots have just made a trade. No details on that right now, and by the time I get it here, I'm sure many of you may have seen it already. So uh, back to the Jets' tight end spot. Looks like they're happy. They were happy with what they had. They go out, they add Wolford, and uh, again, at the very least, as good as what they had in ASJ. They get him cheaper, better blocker, potentially saves them having to use a mid to late round pick on a tight end. So that's a big, that's a big, you know, potentially big acquisition. And then today they, uh, the Jets added Bucky Hodges. You remember him, Bucky Hodges? Now I'm, uh, this is only in the last hour or so, so I haven't had a chance to look into this at all. I don't know why Bucky Hodges was available. I know he was only a sixth round pick last year with the Vikings. Didn't even last there. He ended up moving to Carolina. Didn't really get on the field. But this was a promising young guy. Virginia Tech, I want to say. Again, I don't have his info in front of me. I remember the name. It jumped out at me. Um, but big big red zone target type, 6'6". Six, six, put up some fairly impressive numbers in college. And for whatever reason, didn't, uh, didn't last more than a year. It was, yeah, sorry. Just, just took a look. It was Virginia Tech. His final year at Tech, he, uh, what, 48 grads for 691 and seven scores. 
He scored 20 touchdowns there in three full seasons. So good player, decent numbers. Well, sorry, good college player, decent numbers. Uh, I think a lot of I think I, I did see him projected to go much higher than what he did go in the draft. Again, he, he ended up being a sixth rounder. So um, that was a uh, that was a big move. And okay, that it looks like uh, looks like Brandon Cooks has been sent to the Rams for a first round pick. So uh, more to come on that. Wow. Patriots add another first rounder, possibly to move up. We shall see. Enough about that. But speaking of this, so now let, let's stay on this. Let's stay on these additions. Let's, let's, the other addition that uh, just came down in the last couple of hours, the Jets add free agent center. And now, now keep in mind, they've already added Spencer Long, and they re-signed Jonathan Harrison. But now they go out and they sign Russ uh, Swanson from the Detroit Lions. And I'll tell you, sorry, did I say Russ? Travis Swanson. Travis Swanson. And there was rumored interest in Travis Swanson. If you remember, before free agency started, there were some some whispers that the Jets had some interest in Travis Swanson. So I went back and I went into the All-22 and I watched two or three of this guy's games. And I was was hoping that that this was just a, a BS rumor because I'm watching Travis Swanson and I'm thinking to myself, this guy isn't any better than Wesley Johnson, at least from may, maybe by some you know unbelievable coincidence. I just happened to pick three games where he was atrocious. Is what I said to myself. So then I go to PFF and say, well, let's let's see what PFF says about the guy. I've only watched three games, right? PFF they grade every game. Let's take a look. PFF grades him 32 out of 35 in the NFL, three spots ahead of Wesley Johnson who, of course, was 35th out of 35. And by the way, guess who the Detroit Lions signed to take Swanson's job at center this week? Wesley Johnson. So we basically see that the Jets have brought in a guy who was let go by his previous team in favor of Wesley Johnson. Um, And I've seen some people say, oh, Travis Swanson, yeah, talented guy. But I'm not going to say I've followed this guy's career. I'm not going to say I've watched him take 1,000 snaps. But I did watch him for a good three full games, and I didn't see him do anything that made me think, oh, this guy's a really good addition. This is a guy you got to have. So what my hope is is that this is a a depth-slash-insurance policy where the Jets are just saying, look, let's bring in a couple bodies at center. Because let's face it, Jonathan Harrison isn't, you know, he's a solid enough backup, but he's – He's far from being a guy that you would look at and say, well, we're set at center because we've got Jonathan Harrison backing up. Uh, if, he's, if he's to be, a, you know, to offer competition as a backup, that's fine. Now, if we start seeing that the Jets are kicking around the idea of moving Spencer along to guard, um, which I don't think would happen. Um, I, I don't know if that was just Todd Bowles blowing smoke at his press conference at the owners' meetings, but he did say they liked Long because he had some experience at guard. Um, if you tell me they're going to move – long to guard and put Swanson in at center, um, I, I'd be shocked. Even if it's a different scheme, I just I long looks so bad on film, um, off balance a lot, just man just don't get manhandled. Bull rushed, walked back in the pocket, missing blocks on screens, you know, couldn't hit a target on the move. So I didn't really see anything I liked out of him. I hoped that my eyes were deceiving me. I looked at looked and saw if PFF concurred. They did. And uh and now he's a jet. Uh, or at least it's not official. I don't think the team has announced it. But several media outlets have reported that the Jets are going to be signing 
uh, are going to be making that that addition. And as, as I sit here and say that I'm not thrilled with the move to bring in Spencer Long, um, another point is that, and this is a Jets fan thing. I'm sorry, it's not just a Jets fan thing. I'm sure every team does it. I know every team does it. But I'll never understand it, especially this time of year when the first wave, really first couple waves, the, the big names in free agency are all but gone. There might be one or two guys floating around that are worth bringing in, um, you know, that, that are established, you know, stud starters. But for the most part, the big names are gone. You're down to signing backups, special teamers, guys of that nature. Um, and I, I see the Jets sign, guys. And actually one I left out, of course, was Rawls. Thomas Rawls, a running back from Seattle, Punishing runner a couple years ago, looked like he was going to be the next beast mode. Marshawn Lynch, look at this guy, trucking people over, six, seven, eight guys trying to bring him down. And uh, But listen, sometimes when you run like that, your body doesn't approve, and he's been nicked up pretty bad since then. Each of the last two years, he's been at or around three yards of carry. I think he was 2.6 last year, so he's not been very good. Um, but, and that was the signing that made me have this thought, because I saw several Jets fans crashing the move. Why are we bringing this guy in? Well, you know, this guy's another bum. He's a never was. This is, is a wasted roster spot. I don't know if people realize this. Well, I know some people realize it. I don't know if there are some fans that don't realize this. During this time of year, NFL rosters are expanded to 90 players. You can carry 90. During the season, as you well know, you carry 53. So every team in the NFL right now is allowed to carry 37 guys who they know will not be on their roster. But I see fans going to Twitter, going on the forums at JetNation.com, and, and losing their minds. Oh, my God, I can't believe we signed this bum. Oh, my God, what, what's McCagnin doing here? McCagnin is filling out his 90-man roster like everybody else in the league. I think the Jets right now are at 83 or 84, and of course the other six, seven, whatever, however many, will be filled with draft picks. But to sit around and, and complain and, and, and trash the team and trash the GM and say, what the hell are we doing here when you sign a guy who's literally the 83rd guy on your roster of a 53-man roster? Take a step back, people. Take a step back. You got 37 guys on your roster when training camp opens that you know will not be there. You may not know the names, but you know the numbers. Of the 90 guys you have, 37 of them are going to another team or they're going into a new line of work. But getting upset about the 83rd guy on your roster in April or March is is, is nuts. Understand that that's not... That's how the league works. Look at every every roster in the league right now has a bunch of guys who have not played well in the NFL, and that's why they're on a 90-man roster and not a 53-man roster. And I see Mike McCagney get ripped for this. Pretty, 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 and not just Mike McCagney. It seems like every GM, every offseason, there's whining and complaining when a, a low-level free agent is signed, you know, a low-risk, high-reward type guy. And speak, speaking of Mike McCagnin, this is, you know, another thing that, that is a, a little, little bit of a debate that I had on Twitter the other day. 
and which is always a good time. I mean, honestly, I love it. I love when people, I love it when my fellow Jets fans can have, you know, disagree cordially, state your case, state your opinion respectfully. It's a good time because let's face it, it, it you know, so many maniacs out there that that, that want to, you know, the uh, you know the 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 internet tough guys, Twitter trolls that like launch into a personal attack because you disagree with them about a football player who you've never met in your life. It's a bunch of lunatics. Anyway, um, had a nice cordial debate. This, this, I've heard this knock on Mike McCagnan several times from Jets fans is that he plays it too safe in the first round. He's, he, he takes the obvious player, which, folks, th- there's no obvious players, okay? Uh, revisionist history allows people to sit back and point, point at those first-round picks who had good careers and say, oh, well, that was obvious. Yeah, what about the guys that were picked before him or right after that guy? It sucked. Why wasn't that guy obvious? Why, was, why is it, you know, a player drafted at 8, 9, or 10 was obvious, but the guys ahead of him drafted at 2, 3, and 5 that were out of the league in four years, they weren't obvious. It's not about obvious. It's about picking players that you believe will succeed. Sometimes you're going to hit. Sometimes you're going to miss. But I hear this thing, oh, Mike McCagney, he's always playing it safe. Leonard Williams, Jamal Adams. What, he's got he's to take some gambles on a quarterback. It's like, it's like people just became Jets fans 20 minutes ago. It's, it's, it's not like you have to go back that far to look at D. Milner and Quentin Copels, and Sheldon Richardson, as good a player as he was, never made it to a second contract with the Jets. Mark Sanchez. How many players has this team drafted in the first round who have no business even being in the NFL? You guys don't belong on, on an NFL field, and the Jets consistently spend first-round picks on them, and then fans sit back and say, this is why we suck. You can't, you can't miss on your first rounders two out of every three years. You know, every, every, every three, four, five years we get a first rounder, all the rest of them are busts. D. Milner, Quentin Copels, Kyle Wilson. How many of these guys do we have to see bust? We finally get a GM in here who looks to be, at the very worst, two for three on his first three first rounders, depending on what you consider to be a success. Me personally, I would listen. I would love every every Jets draft draft pick to play fantastic. Now, Darren Lee hasn't been the impact player we'd hoped, but he's done enough good things that you can look at him and say, still a young guy, only a couple years of the position. He may improve, even if he does, and even if he kind of levels off, he can be a decent football player for you for a little while. You couldn't say that about D. Milner, about Quentin Copels, about Kyle Wilson, about Mark Sanchez. These guys were just bad. They were just bad. They weren't good football players. Well, not good NFL football players. And people complain now that we have a GM who's making good first-round picks because they're not risky enough, because they're too obvious. Which way do you want it? Do you want players that you, that you spend your first-round picks on who can contribute and you hope be impact players? Or do you want to keep rolling the dice and get a decent player every fourth, fifth, or sixth year? I don't understand it. I don't get the logic. I don't get people being upset 
with a with a guy who's not. Now, listen, I get it. There, I know a lot of people last year who wanted the Jets to take Deshaun Watson in the worst way, and they of course went with Jamal Adams. The value of a safety versus the value of a quarterback isn't even debatable. We all understand that. Deshaun Watson played a few games and tore it up. He was, you know, he came out and played like he's one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the game. You know, I mean, let's let's not kid ourselves. The guy looked fantastic. You want to knock a, a GM for that? I, I can't fault you. I can't. You know, and but let's also keep in mind it's nobody played eight games. Let's you know, let's let's see how it unfolds. He, he might be an all-time great. He might win some Super Bowls and go to the Hall of Fame. I have no idea. Nobody knows. But if you want to knock that, I get it. But to but to complain that you have a GM who's at least in the very early going, consistently getting NFL caliber football players, quality players in the first round, and then complain that we're not using the same methods that we used years ago that produced Quentin Copels and Kyle Wilson. I just I don't understand. It it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Mike McCagney's done some good things in the draft, you know. I'm I'm not gonna go we we talked about this before. He's not perfect. I'm not saying he's batting a thousand, but He's got some starters. He's got some backups. His first draft class, injuries killed it. You know, I mean, is it, I, I'm not going to say it's time to write off Lorenzo Malden. I think it's a little bit weird that he suffered this injury that we were originally told was going to be a few weeks, and now here we are nine, ten months later, and Todd Bowles is saying he's moving around pretty well. Or don't quote me on that. I forget the, I forget the exact quote, but, I mean, Nine months removed from an injury that was going to be a few weeks, I would expect the head coach to say, that dude's 100% ready to go. Um, but you're telling me nine months later he's, you know, he's not fully recovered? That, that's a huge red flag. Devin Smith, you know, how many – I mean, a lot of Jets fans are ready to write him off. I did a, conducted a Twitter poll last week. I think it was 65% of fans said he's done. You can't, you know, you can't count on him for anything, and I'm not at this point – you can't expect anything from him. I, I think all you can expect is the Jets to give him a chance to do something again. They spent the second-round pick on him. Why wouldn't you? You know, again, 90-man roster, folks. A lot of bodies coming into camp. Might as well let it be a guy who's working to come back. You spent the second-round pick on. Um, but I'll tell you what, we'll find out in time. I mean, I don't. again, I don't expect anything from Devin Smith. And who the heck knows what kind of 40-time he's going to run when he's back at whatever his newest version of 100% is, if he ever is. But if he's going to go out there and and try to be his old self, I don't think I don't see that being in the cards. But, I mean, that, that was a guy who could run, but this many injuries, that may not be the case anymore. And speaking of guys who can run, news tonight on Robbie Anderson. The Robbie Anderson situation is basically one where, as we know, he was arrested a few weeks ago for driving over 100 miles an hour in a 45-mile-an-hour zone, made several obscene, uh, lewd comments, threatening the arresting officer, threatening his wife, things. uh, It's basically a laundry list. And now these charges have been dropped. They're now downgrading Robbie Anderson's case to, I think, a misdemeanor. They're going to look at it as uh, reckless driving is all he's facing now. I'll tell you what, I'd be surprised if he gets more than one game suspension. You know, with what was lingering before, I thought this could be four to six games. You know, this is going to be ugly for him, especially with the previous incident at the concert 
with an altercation with uh, law enforcement, which did eventually look to be bogus on the part of law enforcement. There, At the very least, there were some huge questions there that brought into uh, kind of put things under the microscope in terms of the validity of the uh, the actions of the officers involved. So I think Robbie Anderson was was in a position where he may have gotten away with little to no discipline from that incident because it, it, was, it was shady at best on the part of the police department. And now you had this incident follow it up, and you thought, well, you know, how many times can you get lucky? You thought at least four-game suspension. Now it's downgraded to a traffic violation. Reckless driving, Robbie Anderson might be looking at a one-game suspension this year. So imagine that. I'll tell you what. I, I said it a couple of weeks ago, Terrell Pryor, Robbie Anderson, Quincy Nunwa, Jermaine Curse, whoever, whoever they plug in at tight end, and I'm forgetting somebody. Who am I forgetting? The kids, you know, the uh, the Hansons and the and the Ardarius Stewarts. It can be an exciting group, really exciting group. I think that uh, I think this is a team right now that you know, as I said earlier, the, the constant talk is going to be about the quarterback position. You know, who uh, who comes in? Is it going to be Baker Mayfield? Is it going to be Josh Rosen? Does Sam Darnold fall? Are the Browns going to shock people and take uh, take Josh Allen at number one? Are the Jets going to take Josh Allen? These questions have already been bounced around a thousand times, and they'll probably be bounced around a thousand more in the coming weeks. Every mock draft you find is just a I mean, just different variation of the same four or five guys going in that top five. I know me personally, I've I've been back and forth on the Baker Mayfield versus Josh Rosen. Who do you want? Do you want the guy, you know, with with the, with the off the charts completion percentage, great leadership, plenty great arm. People say Josh Rosen, or sorry, that that, uh, that Baker Mayfield doesn't have a strong arm. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. I think they're just looking at the fact that he's five eleven or six one or whatever it is, and they're assuming he's too short, small guy can't throw it. He was second to uh, to Josh Allen at the Combine in velocity. And if you watched him play at Oklahoma, you saw him throw plenty of, plenty of balls between 40, 50, 60 yards and just drop it in the guy's arms and sometimes doing it on the run. So Baker Mayfield's the guy. The, the traits are there. But then there's Josh Rosen, the more polished guy, the guy who's ready to start from day one according to a lot of experts, whereas someone like Mayfield might need a little time. But no matter who it is, as I said earlier, these targets, these receivers that this, that, uh, this team has assembled, they're going to have a lot, you know, they're going to have a lot to work with. This isn't going to be a, a Geno Smith or a Mark Sanchez situation. Well, let's be, let's be honest, Mark Sanchez had some weapons early. Holmes, Braylon, Keller, Thomas Jones, great running game. That, you know, year three or four, that all dried up. But his first couple of years, Mark, Mark had plenty to work with here. But whether it's Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, who will, let's face it, we did another poll on JetNation.com, and uh, between the three, you know, Allen, Mayfield, and Rosen, who do you want? Because assuming all the experts are right, and assuming Sam Darnold goes first overall, which of these three quarterbacks do you like? And, uh, and Josh Allen was way down there. I think he got 13% of the vote. It was pretty bad. He's uh, clearly not a guy Jets, Jets fans want. But I understand the intrigue from the people that like him. I really do. The guy definitely, I mean, he undoubtedly has off-the-charts tools. 
um, the velocity, some of the throws he makes on the run are, are unbelievable. You know, there, there's, there, there's 40 and 50-yard passes, and then there's 40 and 50-yard darts that just, you know, don't look to go more than eight, nine feet off the ground uh, through the air versus, you know, the, the deep ball you see from uh, in the past. Guys like, you know, as Jets fans know, Chad Pennington. You know, Pennington would complete, complete the odd 40-yard pass, but let's be honest, you know, it had 40 yards of air under it to get it there. Josh Allen, not the case at all, moves well, stands tall in the pocket, looks to have improved his footwork since the season ended, and he's a guy that people are saying could go number one overall. But assuming it was Darnold, we asked Jets fans about the other three, and Josh Allen finished dead last with 13%. Josh Rosen was at the top of the list, with Mayfield coming in second. But that's enough about the quarterbacks. We've talked about them enough. Let's get into what this roster needs, what, what Mike McCagnin is going to have to do come draft day when the Jets are on the clock and round three, again, assuming, assuming they stay put. I think they're going to, at the very least, we're going to see them try to trade down. Whether or not that happens, we'll see. But I think they, uh, at the very least, they've got to, they've got to address – O-line and edge, those have to be their top two priorities after quarterback. Not necessarily in that order. It could be just a matter of going with best player at either of those two positions. And so you have to look and and see, you know, who might be there? Who are some of the edge rushers the Jets might have a chance to grab in round three? Because let's face it, those guys don't fall. But in such a talented draft, listen, there's people saying eight, nine quarterbacks can go in the first two, three rounds. That pushes a lot of guys down. There's people saying a lot of running backs can go. When you have when you have talent, d- deep deep draft classes at those other spots, you might see a couple pass rushers fall seven, eight, nine slots, ten slots further than they would in a normal year. And there are some good ones coming out. There are some good. It, it's this is one of those years where the guys at the top, they're not going to be like a, a, a Jadavion Clowney or Miles Garrett. But deeper in the middle rounds, the, you know, the, the top five, six, seven, eight guys might be a hell of a lot better than previous years, five, six, seven, eights. Yeah, Chubb, of course, at the top, who may go to the Giants at two, he's, you know, he, he's considered an elite prospect. But even him, you know, if you look at his, his, his numbers from the combine that kind of give you an indicator as to how explosive a player is going to be, he, he didn't come anywhere close to what Miles Garrett did last year. Still going to be a good player. Don't get me wrong, but I think this year's class is different in that you're gonna have it's gonna not gonna be as crowded at the top, but a lot of a lot of quality talent in the middle, and that's where the Jets can uh, that's where the Jets can maybe get a steal here. So who 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 should they be targeting? Who should they be looking at? One guy that jumped out at me. There were a couple, but we'll go over a few here. The Jets could be targeting come round three. Josh Sweat. Florida State. So here's a guy, a little bit undersized, showed up at the combine. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he had the highest or tied for the highest for his uh, his vertical jump, 39 and a half inches with a 10.3 inch broad. Those are numbers that teams look at. That again, that sometimes those are indicators on in how explosive a player is, how explosive a player can be. And 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 a lot of it, and that's the thing with these guys with any position. Talked to somebody about it earlier. 
you know, it, it's, it's about projecting. It's about looking at what a guy can do, what a guy is physically capable of, and what an NFL team feels like they can get out of him in terms of, you know, w- w- with their coaching, whether it's their scheme, whatever methods they use. Because, it, you know, it, it, comes, it, be, it comes up all the time. Why would you take this guy in college versus this guy when player A had far superior production, far superior stats? And that's where teams sit back and say, you know, they're not as concerned with the stats. I mean, look at Tim Tebow's stats, all right? You know, and other than, other than uh, you know, Josh McDaniel, nobody wanted Tim Tebow playing quarterback, um, despite putting up, you know, otherworldly numbers. Great numbers, national champion, Heisman, Tro- Heisman Trophy winner, and still just a guy that, you know, even leading up to the draft, most of the prognosticators and, you know, the Mel Kuypers of the world, Todd McShays, they're saying that this guy's got to play, you know, if this guy wants to succeed at the next level, he's going to have to play tight end. He's going to have to play fullback somewhere in there. And uh, as it turns out, it only takes one. And Josh McDaniel drafted Tim Tebow to play quarterback, and it was a complete disaster. And, again, it, because it's about projecting. Everyone else had Tim Tebow projected as a fullback. One guy projects him as a quarterback all of a sudden he's playing quarterback and then he's out of the league. So it's about projecting with these guys. And, with you know, when teams like to project, got, you know, these edge rushers, they want to look and see how, how explosive can they be? How quickly do they get off the ball? Which is, which is uh, ironically enough, Josh Sweat, despite, despite the strong combine performance, the 39-and-a-half-inch and the 10-foot uh, broad jump, it, from what, you know, I, I didn't see it pop up on film a lot but I did see it in at least one scouting report that I read, is that his get-off. You know, teams weren't thrilled with his get-off. Thought he was a little bit, uh, a little bit slow. You know, wasn't the first guy off the ball the way you'd want him to be. And uh, it, that's one of those things that, you know, it, it's going to jump out right away at a scout. But a guy on the opposite end of that, and this, this guy is one of, one of the more interesting prospects to me, Kamiko Toure out of Rutgers. Here's another edge guy who wasn't as productive in college as you might like in terms of sacks. But he's also another guy with excellent, excellent, excellent burst, explosive guy, another guy with those traits, showed it at the combine. He's opened a lot of eyes. I've seen him projected as early as the second round. I've seen him projected as late as the fifth round. Now there are you know, some durability issues. He's missed a significant chunk of time, which I understand these things happen. But when you're talking about edge rushers, when you're talking about trying to find one outside of round one, sometimes you've got to gamble. Sometimes you've got to gamble on a guy who, you know, maybe you normally wouldn't have him on your board because of injuries, but you need that edge rusher. And this isn't the first round. We're not talking about a first-round reach. We're talking about if this guy is there in round four, three, four, five, where, again, some, some people feel like he'll go. I think it was NFL.com actually said he'll go in round two or three. The Jets have that third round pick, and they're you know they're picking fairly high. So if they get an opportunity to grab a guy like uh, to grab a guy like Kamiko Toure out of Rutgers, I don't see why you don't do it. I don't see the harm in uh, in, in taking that plunge. And if you want to talk about a couple of other names, potential edge guys even later in the draft, I mean everybody's talking about Shaquem Griffin, right? UCF, kids missing a left hand, 
goes to the combine and runs, what are you on, a 4-3-8, some ridiculous 40 time for a linebacker. Very productive at UCF. I think he had 17 and a half tackles for loss. Ton of sacks. Great story. Great motor. I mean, the guy does everything you look for. But, of course, people look at him and say, can this guy play in the pros with, you know, with just one hand? We see guys all the time that struggle. You know, maybe they have their hand in a cast. You know, unless you're JPP and you just, you know, you build this monster cast and use it to club people. But other than that, guys trying to play with one hand, you think there's such a disadvantage that they're a liability. And now here's Shaquem Griffin coming along, and he's just permanent, you know, this is a three- or four-week thing that you get with with most players. This is a guy who, you know, has overcome a lot to get to where he is, and he's gone from being, you know, in a position where he wasn't invited to the combine. Now he's got a, he's got an invite to the draft, which is a nice story. You know, I don't think we'll see him go higher than round four or five. I think I've seen him projected in the sixth round. Um, but they're still inviting him because it's a great story. And, and who who doesn't want to watch that? You know, it's going to be a great moment for that young man. So, does you know, did, did the Jets call his number? Is he a guy that they look at and say, you know, we can make this work? You know, this guy does have the, the, the speed. The, the the acceleration, he's got the get-off that, you know, he might be able to have an impact as a late-round edge rusher. And it's been a need for long enough. How, how long does this team have to wait? You know, as, as much as we talk about quarterback, as we should, it is their biggest need. It has been, you know, the longest-running uh, thorn, thorn in the side of this team for many years now. But edge rusher, you know, haven't had one since John Abraham. And... Of course, that didn't work out well. He ended up ended up getting dealt to Atlanta. It worked out in the sense that the Jets got Nick Mangold out of it with the draft pick they received for Abraham. But even still, you don't want to be you don't want to be in the position where that the Jets are in right now, where you're now you know eleven, twelve years on from having an actual quality pass rusher. But another guy to keep an eye on, and again, it's. It's because of the durability. It's because of the fact that he missed almost two full seasons the last couple of years. But out of Utah, edge rusher named Kylie Fitz. And Kylie Fitz has, I want to say, 14 or 15 career sacks in just 22 games. Again, explosive numbers at the combine. I haven't seen anyone who doesn't feel like he doesn't have the tools to be an impact rusher off the edge even if you're using him as a, a situational guy early on while he gets his feet wet. But it seems that there really isn't anybody that, that doesn't think this guy can play well if he can just stay healthy. Now, that's a huge if, and it has been a huge if for, for quite some time. He's missed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull the numbers up right now. I don't have them in front of me. I was looking at, uh, I was looking at it the other day because I was doing a little bit of homework, you know, looking at some of these, some of these edge guys, looking at some of these – some of the O-line prospects coming out because, let's face it, as I said earlier, that's the, the next biggest area of need for this team. And so, so I look up Kylie Fitz the other day, and, the, you know, the, the games played jumps right out at me because there, you know, because there aren't many of them. When he played one year in year one, which, at, which was at UCLA, then he goes to Utah, plays 12 games, comes away with seven sacks in 12 games, gets injured only plays one game in 2016. And in that one game, 
He had a sack and a half and three tackles for loss. And then his senior year, missed some more time, but he did play eight games, picks up three more sacks, three more tackles for loss. So in 22 career games, we're talking about 14 tackles for loss, 11 and a half sacks. This is a guy that gets in the backfield. This is a guy, this is a guy he's a penetrator. He's a little bigger, 260. You know, he's not, he's not that 250, 255-pound, you know, thin-frame guy coming off the edge. He's a little bigger than some people might like. But let's face it, this team needs a pass rusher. They're not in position to take one early on. They're not going to get a, a, a Chubb or a Landry or an Arden Key. They're going to have to go elsewhere. So some of these late-round picks, some of these are late-round options, they may have no choice but to do that. And if it works out for them, as we all hope it will, because let's face it, you can't, you can't keep relying on – and it's not as if they've been getting pressure. When was the last time the Jets were able to consistently put pressure on a quarterback? It just hasn't happened. It hasn't happened frequently enough. And if they get the right guys in here, you know, that, that's the frustrating thing about having a guy like Todd Bowles. When you hire a head coach who's, uh, who comes with the reputation of being a defensive genius, but he can't manage to get pressure, you know, it's, uh, and, and that was, you know, even when they had that, all that talent up front, even when it was, you know, Harrison, Richardson, Wilkerson, they, they, you know, and Leo in year one, they, they still weren't getting pressure on the quarterback. So that's what, you know, that's what kind of puts it in perspective and they say, listen, just go out and get a guy. Go out and get one guy, whether it's, again, it won't be the first or second round this year, but whatever year. Just get somebody that you can rely on that other teams have to game plan for because you just get kind of tired of seeing these guys, you know, same old thing. Every year, quarterbacks able to sit back and pick them apart. And it, it gets old. It's gotten old. And there are some other names out there. There are some other – some other guys who are who have been linked to the Jets. I've seen some people say Sam Hubbard. I've seen some people say Jeff Holland. Um, Taekwon Lewis is another interesting one, as a matter of fact. He was one that I watched uh, a little bit of him the other day. He looked like a really impressive edge rusher or a guy who could be a really good edge rusher. And we'll see. Again, plenty of issues on the edge and uh, not a lot of draft picks to address it with. So if it's going to be addressed, it's likely going to have to be addressed late and it's going to have to be addressed. It's going to take a little bit of luck. They're going to have to, they're going to, have to hit, hit on somebody that, uh, that slips through the cracks for whatever reason, be it durability or character issues. But that covers that. That's, that, that's enough on some of the edge guys. We're not going to talk about, you know, all 25 potential edge rushers. Just like I said, a couple guys that jumped out at me and, and watching highlights, sometimes you're able to get your hands on a little bit of film. You're mostly relying on game, just going and watching, you know. Look, you know, luckily, thank goodness, some of these people out here condense some of these games for you. You don't get the, you don't get the, the, the extended conversations between plays. You don't get the commercials. You can just watch play after play after play. So watching, watching a few games, these, like I said, those are the guys that jumped out at me coming off the edge and then went and double-checked it with their combine numbers. And a lot of them had, you know, had some some pretty quality traits, and now on to the O line, where it's the, the O line. It's, it's never the sexy pick, you know. So for the casual fan, there's who, who decides to pay attention to the draft. There's nothing worse than taking an O lineman, because you know. Let's face it, 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 it's not sexy. They're not they're not celebrating. They're not scoring touchdowns. 
they're just the uh, the guys up front. But without them, you're not going to get it done. And there are some good, some quality prospects the Jets could get their hands on, again, with that third-round pick. One of my favorites. I think anybody who watched the Senior Bowl, any anybody who loves NFL football and who tuned in to watch the Senior Bowl or at least the practices, even just the highlights, you would have seen this guy. And I don't know how you'd come away not liking him. Alex Kappa out of Humboldt. I mean, this guy, I heard Mayock and Daniel Jeremiah talking about him, and they were right. You know what I'm saying? This guy, this guy just wakes up wakes up mad, you know, ragdolling opponents. and He's kind of on a whole other level. This guy's intensity level is crazy. Uh, I think some people were hoping to see he would play tackle. He shows, at the com- shows up at the combine, measures in 34-inch arms or 33-inch, whatever it was. Basically, arms are too short. Immediately, everyone says, center or guard. Now, if you're a Jets fan, you know that even with Spencer Long on board and even with Travis Swanson on board, um, the situation with James Carpenter is one that even if he is back this year, he probably won't be back or he won't be back beyond that. Um, So you've got a couple of centers with durability issues and you've got a left guard who's probably on his way out after this year, if not sooner. So I look at a guy like Alex Kappa see this guy with this this crazy mean streak. Again, he's out of a small school. Not the end of the world. You know, we've seen plenty of guys come out of small schools and succeed. And Alex Kapp is, you know, to me, one of the first guys that you'd want, especially especially trying to rebuild this 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 locker room, this culture. You know, the, the, the Jets want these young, hungry, fiery players. And you probably won't find a more fiery player than Alex Kappa. Um, him and Baker Mayfield in the same huddle, that would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, again, just high energy, high intensity, 100 miles an hour constantly. And, I'd, you know, I'd be happy to to see a guy like that come in. You know, not you, you don't want somebody who's, who's drawing a ton of flags. You don't want someone who's acting like a friggin' idiot like Richie Incognito. But if you get someone like that but dial it back a little bit, I think you could do all right. Uh, Mason Coles, another one out of Michigan, a center, who could probably play a little bit of guard if he needed him to. I think that the Jets, you know, would be well served looking at some of these guys that that have the versatility. Because let's face it, th- there's a lot of questions, you know, and that that's something. Even when in mentioning it, mentioning it with James Carpenter, as much as it, we touched on it during the season, you know, Brian Winters wasn't any better, but we do give him the free pass you know, to a degree because the, the, the abdomen. All right, so he played with torn, torn abdominal muscle. So now Brian Winders is back this year, right? And everyone, you know, everyone I'm hearing is always, as long as he's back to form, if he's back to being the player he was before, you know, regardless of how good you think he was. You know, some people overrate Brian Winters, some people underrate Brian Winters. I think he's a good player. I think he's a slightly above average player. But, again, different scheme. I look at Brian Winters, and I don't think, yeah, zone, zone blocking, that, that's where he'll excel. And he might, you know, with again, with this team going to what should be a, a heavy, heavy zone offense, you know, re- reliant heavily on zone running, the Jets might not be a whole lot better off next year with Carpenter and Winters than they were last year with Carpenter and Winters, and not due to health not because Wesley Johnson is in there and they're having a cover for him, just because of the scheme fit. So when I look at a guy like Alex Kappa, 
you know, who I'd mentioned earlier, I think that he's somebody who would be able to play in either scheme. Cole, I'm not as sure about. But it wouldn't shock me if he could play in either scheme. And it's and you know, no matter no matter how they go about it, it it's gotta be addressed, the O line. You know, there are some there are some, some late round prospects and that's where the that's where the Jets focus has to be right now because they don't have the picks. They don't have the, the ability to to get any to get the early round guys. And there's there are a few tackles that that I've seen mocked to the Jets. A lot of people seem to feel like that's uh that's the direction they'll go in with one of those later round picks. You know, maybe a Nick Gates from Nebraska. I, I actually no, he wasn't mocked to the Jets. I, I'm sorry. I was he, he's someone I was I was watching film on the other day or watch, watching one of his games the other day, and reading some of his scouting reports. I don't know that he'll be a I don't know that he'll be a tackle in the NFL. Some people that seem torn on that. I would think I would think more. You know, if we're talking about developmental tackles, okay, guys that we, that are going to have to be brought along over a year or two because let's face it, Kelvin Beecham is the least of the Jets' problems on the O-line right now. As long as he stays healthy, he's a guy you can live with for another year or two. Um, so if you're going to bring in a tackle, maybe you bring in a guy who you think can, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, who, who you think needs a couple years' development. Uh, one guy that comes to mind, and I've, it's been hard to find film on him because it's a small school, but everything I've been reading, you know, workout numbers, scouting reports, getting some insight from some scouts, um, Timon Paris, Stony Brook, big guy. Seen him listed as a guard in some sites, but uh, from what I've seen and his measurements, I, I think he's I think he's a guy who you could see playing offensive tackle. And as a local guy, you know, or at least you know just up the road at Stony Brook, he'd be a guy you might want to take. <clears throat> excuse me, take a look at <clears throat> in the later rounds, um, or even a Brandon Parker who I had the opportunity to speak with this offseason and, you know, came across as a really, really good kid. And he's another another small school, pro, another small school product um, out of North Carolina A&T. Um, but I think he had a crazy wingspan, 80-some inches, 80. Nine, I, I can't remember the wingspan off the top of my head. But, again, he's another Brandon Parker, another sort of long-term, well, not long-term, but, you know, a, a year or two away from being able to to be ready to step in, but I think that with what the Jets needs, with, with what with what they do need at the moment, you're not going to fix it with one or two with one late round with two late round picks. I think that third rounder, the fourth rounder at the very least, uh, you know, but ideally that third rounder on a guy like an Alex Kappa, start shoring up that O line, find yourself some tackles, find yourself again whether it's the, the developmental tackles later on, or if you want to go with a more accomplished tackle in the fourth round, um, it you know it's, uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna change course on my thoughts on the deal, but you know the, the trade to get up to three, but it does when you sit and look at the draft, there is that part of you that thinks, damn, I'd love to have those picks, but that's that's just being I mean that's being silly and short sighted really. Um, it's all about having this this uh, this number three overall, but. Jamarco Jones is another guy, another tackle, who I had seen mock to the Jets, but now you look at him and you go, there's no way he's there in round three. You know, he's a, he's a an early to mid-round second pick. 
so you kind of you take him off your board and you look at some like the Terrell Crosby's of the world who's a offensive tackle for Oregon but one and one of the more athletic guys from what I've seen so far and here's someone to keep an eye on and I think from what I've seen I think he'd be a solid fit in a man scheme or sorry in, a, in his own scheme versus power Martinez Rankin seems athletic for a really big guy just don't know that he'll be there in round four, and I don't know if the Jets are going to want to use that third rounder on him. I think that third rounder needs to go again. If not an edge guy, then a guy who's going to have a chance to play if Brian Winters, James Carpenter, if either of those guys suffers any type of injury, and even more so in the middle with Long. You know, he missed a bunch of games last year with injuries, quad injuries, knee injuries. So if he's unable to go, then they're going to have to have somebody ready to step in, and that you know that might be where that third rounder comes in, and you roll the dice on one of those one of your edge rushers later in the draft. So who knows? I mean, th- there's so much that's going to go on between now and draft day that uh, you know the rumors are going to fly. There's going to be real interest. There's going to be fake interest. They're going to bring players in. To, you know, you're going to hear about local visits. And, of course, you know, a, a lot of these local visits and some of the smaller school guys, that's kind of getting a feel for a guy who maybe you're going to want to look at as an undrafted free agent. Um, not tip your hand on who you're looking at today, but give yourself an idea as to uh, what players you might, be, you might be calling as a priority free agent once the draft wraps up. So as far as um, the show, quick update with us. Jet Nation Radio, for those of you who have been listening for a while and or who tuned in last week, you heard me say that uh, it's I'm going to be flying solo for now, for the, just for the time being. Uh, Joe Blue, it's moved on to some other things where, as I said, we wish him a ton of luck. I'm sure he'll do great things. Follow him on Twitter, at Joe RB. He's got, uh, he's got a show coming up uh, where you know, he'll be doing film breakdowns. That's what Joe really uh, became his bread and butter over the last six, seven months, and he's going to try to you know, continue on with that, which is good for him. Um, what will be good for us is that we, uh, we're, we're still working on some things with getting a, a, an additional host. We've reached out to some people. We've gotten some positive responses, some good feedback. Uh, we may have some people who join us on a regular basis, but as a sort of a, kind of a segment, maybe a 15, 20-minute segment from, uh, from an insider or something along those lines. Um, again, it all remains to be seen. There's some stuff to be ironed out, and some other folks we're waiting to hear back from. So it's going to be me flying solo for the next at least, I'd say, few weeks and while we work on the other issues. But we do appreciate you listening. We do love, uh, you know, we do this because we love this team, and we know that you guys do too, as as crazy as they make us sometimes. But uh, we we sit back and enjoy the best, you know, enjoy it as much as we can. Uh, sometimes a little harder to do than others, but we appreciate you listening and uh, look forward to catching up with you guys next week. Again, it will be same time, Tuesday, 6 o'clock Eastern, and uh, hopefully an update on hosts and hopefully some, uh, some more, some more Jets news. Let's, you know, I would like nothing more than to come on the air and say, Jets made some move and added some, made a move and added some picks. Um, whether or not that happens remains to be seen. But uh, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch up with you next week. Have a great day.